In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. A number of years ago, well-known pop artist Sarah McLaughlin recorded a song written by a guy named Andy Partridge. And wow, it was, it was brutal. It was not one that was heard on the radio. And I don't know if Sarah McLaughlin, I don't know how she feels about the content of the lyrics. Let me give you a taste of it. It's a very emotional song. She does a great job uh, singing it. Dear God, sorry to disturb you, but I feel that I should be heard loud and clear. We all need a big reduction in the amount amount of tears. And all the people that you made in your image see them starving on their feet because they don't get enough to eat from God. I can't believe in you. She sings, I won't believe in heaven or hell, no saints, no sinners, no devil as well, no pearly gates, no thorny crown. God, you're always letting us humans down. The wars you bring, the babies you drown, those lost at sea and never found. And it's all the same, the whole world round, the hurt I see helps to compound that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is just somebody's unholy hoax. And if you're up there, you'd perceive that my heart's here upon my sleeve if there's one thing I don't believe, it's you, dear God. In our world today, in our culture, Christianity, is not portrayed as an attractive option of making sense of the world. Would you agree with that? That's kind of a good song to uh, exemplify, I think, a common feeling. The, The stuff that Sarah is singing about, the reasons why she doesn't believe in God include, let's say, a summary of like, uh, well, there's the messiness of of Christians. By the way, there's a bunch of verses I didn't quote. Uh, you're welcome to check it out online. It's, it's worth the listen. The messiness of Christians and Christian leaders, especially like people who say they follow Jesus and are poor examples. Then there's a, another reason people don't believe in God. The, um, the mysteries of God and like why do bad things happen to good people, right? Stuff that our finite minds can't comprehend. And then there's the morality of Christianity. Sort of Christianity does suggest, indeed command from God, a way to live. And often it's misunderstood as restrictive. So for all these reasons, the messiness of Christians, the misunderstood morality, the mystery of God, all these reasons make us say, you know what, I just, like, this does not look like an attractive option for making sense of the world, for answering my questions, the big ones like, what happens after we die and why am I here? What's the meaning of life? Now, what's so interesting is in today's gospel reading, we just heard from John chapter 10, 
John seems to think, along with the rest of the scriptural writers, by the way, that Christianity is actually good for the world. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We'll talk about what that word good means, but suffice to say, John and the rest of the scripture writers take a very different approach, seem to think very differently about Christianity making sense of our world than, for example, Sarah McLaughlin and, well, all many others through history. This is what I want you to see in our text today, that Jesus, his claim about himself and about his way of life, what we call Christianity, is actually beautiful. It is, it's not just good and true, it's attractive, it's compelling, it's inviting, it's, in a word, beautiful, beautiful. Now, we're not going to address all the questions that, and claims that Sarah McLaughlin raises in the song, but my hope is that far from seeing Christianity as an unappealing perspective on the world, you will see that it's beautiful precisely for this reason, because the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. The most beautiful act of love in the history of the world. So if you would, find the scripture. If you take the pew Bibles, which are back in the pews as of this past weekend, and all God's people said, alleluia, um, you can find it at the back of the book, near the back of the book, page 79 is, is the passage that we're reading. It's John chapter 10, page 79 in the back of your pew Bibles, Gospel of John chapter 10. While you're turning, let me tell you about the passage that we just heard. Because actually, John 10, 11 through 18, which is our passage, comes at the end of a story. It's something big happens in the Gospel of John in chapter 9, which is that a blind man is healed, miraculously healed. He'd been blind from birth. And then that upsets the religious leaders. So they bring in the blind man. They question him, who did this to you? Uh, tell us about what's, like, what's happening. What, how did this happen to you? And he points them to Jesus. And so we come in in our passage on a conversation, basically a confrontation between Jesus and the religious leaders. And Jesus is making comments about their leadership. And he is not mincing words. So Jesus and the religious leaders are in this confrontation conversation, and he begins to explain himself and his ministry to them. And his explanation begins in chapter 10, verse 1, and it continues all the way through the end of our passage in verse 18. How does Jesus explain himself? Well, he uses a metaphor. And it's a metaphor that anybody who had knowledge of the Jewish scriptures would have known. It's the metaphor of a shepherd. God is the shepherd. We just heard from Psalm 23. We could read lots of passages from the Old Testament where God, Yahweh, talks about himself as the shepherd of his people. Shepherd is like leader. You know, it's a strong leader, but it's also a tender leader. And in the Old Testament, those uh, in, in who would lead Israel who were not good for them would be called bad shepherds. They were, they were bad shepherds. They would let the wolves in to attack the sheep. 
So now look at verse 11, because here's where things get interesting. Jesus doesn't just say, I'm the shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And then, just, just for kicks, I suppose, he, he really goes after the, the leaders that, he's, that, that are listening to him. Because he calls them, well, in Josh's translation, ugly shepherds. He's the beautiful shepherd. They're the ugly shepherds. Listen to what I mean. Look at verse 12. Jesus describes them. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, scaredy cat. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand doesn't care for the sheep. He repeats verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Ouch. Now, again, how does Jesus say he's different? Well, he's got the hired hand on one, in one category and you've got the good shepherd in the other. What separates the two? What makes Jesus the good shepherd versus the religious leaders who are the bad shepherds, the hired hands? It's this. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I just want to point out an interesting note about this word good. In the Greek, it's kalos. I'm not a Greek scholar, and my boss, the dean, is sitting right behind me, and he is a Greek scholar, so I'll just... I may or may not have checked the pronunciation of the word before I came up today. Um, But I find it interesting that Archbishop William Temple, a number of years ago, who was a former Archbishop of Canterbury, has a wonderful commentary on the Gospel of John. Listen to how he translates that word good, kalos. It's noble or right or model or attractive. In his word, he actually chooses beautiful. So verse 11 then would read like this, I'm the shepherd, Jesus says, the beautiful one. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherd, the beautiful one, lays down his life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd, not the ugly one, not the hired hand, not the one who will lead you astray. I'm the beautiful shepherd, the one that you should be attracted to, that you should follow, that should be compelling to you. And why, why can I say that I am the beautiful one? Because all through this passage, here's the other theme, because I laid down my life for the sheep, which is completely different from the hired hand who runs away. He's not a shepherd at all. I'm the good shepherd, I'm the beautiful shepherd. I should compel you to follow me because I love you so much that I give my life for you. That is true beauty. Archbishop William Temple goes on to comment on his translation like this. He says, well, of course, I'm exaggerating here to use, instead of good for kalos, to use the word beautiful, but it's important that the word for good is one that represents not the moral rectitude of goodness, nor its austerity, but its attractiveness, he says. Because in Jesus, we see the beauty of holiness from Psalm. 
He was good in such a manner that he draws all men to himself in John 12. And this beauty of goodness is supremely seen in the act by which Jesus would so draw them, which is John 10, 11. I lay down my life for the sheep. So when we hear a song like Dear God from Sarah McLaughlin, when we think about the confusion of the world, well, and because of our own behavior as his followers, as the followers of Jesus, or because of the mysteries that we can't understand, or because of a morality that often seems restrictive, how in the world can we call it beautiful? How can we call Jesus beautiful? How can we say that Christianity is a compelling explanation for all the big questions? It's for this reason. Because our shepherd in the most beautiful act of love in the history of the world laid down his life for you and me. Now, wait a minute. You say, Josh, come on. We know, we just heard Martha Tiller on Good Friday evening at Tenebrae read the words from Isaiah 52 and 53 that say something like, Jesus had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire about him. Remember that? And there's another verse she read that night. Um, his, his appearance was so marred beyond, you couldn't even tell he was human. It's not his physical appearance. The shepherd's physical appearance is not what's beautiful. It's his life, his character, his one supreme act of beauty laying down his life. St. Augustine said it this way, Christ is beautiful in heaven. Christ is beautiful on earth, beautiful in the womb, beautiful in his parents' arms, beautiful in his miracles, beautiful under the scourge of the whip, beautiful when inviting us to life, beautiful in laying down his life, beautiful in taking it up again, beautiful on the cross, beautiful in the tomb, beautiful in heaven. We sing, fair are the meadows, fair still the woodlands, robed in the blooming garb of spring, but Jesus is fair, Jesus is pure, who makes the woeful heart to sing. And then my favorite verse from the hymn, fair is the sunshine, fair still the moonlight, and all the twinkling starry host, Jesus shines brighter. Jesus shines pure than all the angels heaven can boast. Charles Wesley, we wrote a hymn, we sing it in Advent, and we reference the scars of Jesus that we believe he still bears on his body in heaven that we will one day see face to face. He writes these words, Wesley does, those dear tokens of his passion Still, still, right now, his dazzling body bears cause of endless exaltation to his ransomed worshipers, and with what rapture we gaze on those glorious, and we would say, on those beautiful scars. Those scars are his love for us. So it isn't just that Sarah McLaughlin doesn't raise good or hard questions in a song like Dear God. Those are great questions. 
We would, be, we would do, do well to listen to our brothers and sisters around the world who say, hey, wait, I have a question about your religion, about what you believe. It's not that she doesn't raise good questions, but those questions must be considered in the light of the beauty of Jesus Christ, the compelling beauty of his act of love whereby he, the shepherd, laid down his life for the sheep. Please, friends, then, look to Jesus, the beautiful shepherd, when you start to feel discouraged by the messiness of his followers, especially the leaders. Look to the beautiful shepherd when you feel confounded by the mysteries of God, mysteries that our finite minds cannot grasp. When you start to study and research and try to figure out the hard questions of life, if you do so without a picture of the beautiful shepherd in your mind, you've already lost the answer. Look to the beautiful shepherd, especially when the morality of Christianity starts to feel restrictive. This is where I want to close today by offering an illustration. What does it mean that Jesus is beautiful? Like, what, what does that even mean for my life? Here's what we've said. Jesus is the beautiful, model, true, compelling, attractive shepherd, and the life that he leads and invites us to follow him in is just as compelling. But to follow him means, uh, well, it means to do exactly what he did, which is to give up to give up power, to give up wealth, to give up pleasure, to give up reputation, to give up safety, to give up security. And why? Why does Christianity invite us to do this? Is it because God's a meanie and he wants to restrict our freedoms? No. It's because in some way, these aspects of morality echo in our love, not only for others, but also for ourselves. They echo the beautiful shepherd who laid down his life for the other. Christian morality is restrictive only in so much as it blesses someone else that's not you. What a way to live. That's beautiful. That's true beauty. Writer and artist Michael O'Brien puts it like this. The beauty that will save the world, well, that's the love of God. This love is both human and supernatural in character, it, but it germinates, it flowers, it comes to fruition only in a crucified heart. A crucified heart. Only the heart united with Jesus on the cross is even able to love another as himself or herself and as God loves him or her. Only such a heart can pass through the narrow gate of the cross and live in the light of resurrection. So friends, far from being ugly or not compelling, I would suggest to you today that our shepherd is good is beautiful because he laid down his life for the sake of the world. Amen.